I gotta tell you, subscribe, like, and subscribe. A lot of you have subscribed, which is absolutely amazing. Yes, indeed, you get the bell. I am so thankful for all of you who are subscribing on YouTube. Don't forget to hit smash, am I supposed to say smash the like button? Smash the like button, because if you do, it, uh, it tells YouTube that you're here and you like the show, elevates the show, and I'll keep doing it for you, but you know I'm gonna do it anyway. And of course, support me on Patreon. This is a big thing, I really need your help. Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin is the place to go. Give me a buck. Give me five bucks. Give me 10 bucks. I'm actually redoing what I'm going to be giving you for each of these different rewards. I've got a bunch of behind the scenes stuff and other cool things and secret shows just for y'all. So get on there. Go to Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin and support me there because I have some news for you today and uh, that's how I get paid. Yeah, that's right. That's how I get paid. Oh, look at this guy. It's Mark Cuban. Again, still in the news today, this time over on InputMag.com. Uh, you know, they're talking about uh, they're talking about this whole situation. I'll just read from the article. Uh, billionaire Mark Cuban has co-founded a podcast app with Node CEO Fallon Fatemi. That's your name. Uh, according to The Verge, Fireside will merge the premise of existing podcast apps with that of Clubhouse while possibly folding into live streaming features. And there's a little section here that says, what's in a name? Clearly drawing on former President Franklin D. Roosevelt's legacy for respectability branding, Fireside wants to be an elevated clubhouse where not just anyone can speak and you can listen to the conversation later. The only problem, this is just, I'm quoting the article, guys, quoting the article, right? <laughs> uh, imagine, uh, the only problem, a podcast hosting and analytics platform called Fireside already exists. Quote, I imagine they just didn't realize that we here at Fireside have been in the podcast hosting for almost five years or about my own personal involvement in podcasting since 2006, CEO and co-founder, Dan Benjamin. I like that it lists me as co-founder. Um, <laughs> who's who's the other founder here? Where where are they hiding? Where are where is the other Oh, it's the Bunicorn from uh from Star Trek Picard, isn't it? This is the co-founder. Well, that's all right. You know what? They still mention me, but if you can if you can tell me who the other co-founder is, uh <laughs> bring um, bring him out. Cause I want, oh, it's, it's the bell, isn't it? Look at his little face. It's him. Anyway, uh, that's fine. Co-founder, founder, whatever you want. Uh, Benjamin is open to working out this mishap with Cuban's fireside, but don't get too attached to this name just yet. That's right, guys. We need to talk. Call me. I'm here. I'm ready to talk. Let's figure it out. Okay. Got a little bit of, uh, of, of Trump news for you. Um, mm. Two articles on this. Oh, and by the way, you can always find the articles at DBL, Dan Benjamin Live, dbl.fireside.fm or danbenjamin.live. Either one of those links for everything will be there. And yes, for those who support me on Patreon, there's going to be a newsletter. It's exciting. Uh, Trump's second trial is to start with a fight over its legitimacy. That's right. Uh, basically, um, this second impeachment trial is very unique because... Uh, is it even constitutional to do this? That's what they're trying to figure out. They're, both of these articles that I have linked today talk about this, but the debate that's happening today right now is, is it even constitutional to do this? Uh, the debate is, does the constitution allow for prosecution of a president once they leave office? This is about a year after the Senate acquitted then President Trump on two counts of abuse of power and obstruction. So the senators are coming in to talk, uh, and this is in the same Senate chamber that they had to evacuate from 
irony, I guess, a little bit. Uh, but basically, what what is the outcome here? And here's the, what the real debate is. Uh, Chuck Schumer, who is the Senate Majority Leader and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, negotiated a resolution that guides how the trial will work. And the first part of it is, can we even do this after his term has expired? So that'll be the first answer. And I'll report on that for you tomorrow. Some uh, some creepy news here. A couple news. people sent this to me. Um, apparently, a hacker tried to poison some water in uh, in in Florida. They were trying to increase the amount of sodium hydroxide in Pinellas County. So, what does that mean? What happens? Basically, it if you don't know the other term for sodium hydroxide, it's lie, lie, huh? Uh, and that's deadly if you ingest enough of it, but it can definitely make you sick even if you don't ingest a lot of it. Um, basically, they hacked into this and tried to change it from uh, 100 parts per million to like 11,100 parts per million. Uh, these are dangerous levels. Uh, the guy who runns the plant, Gualtieri, yeah, we've got that that's for you here and that. He said, quote, uh, what it is is someone hacked into the system, not just once, but twice, opened the program and changed the levels from 100 to 11,100 parts per million, which is a caustic substance. He says when they asked him <laughs> if, if this was considered an attempt at bioterrorism, he says, you label it whatever you want. Those are the facts. So I didn't even realize that you could hack into the water system and adjust levels of the chemicals that are being introduced. In my mind, like the water plants just you know, flushing stuff out, cleaning stuff out, and that, uh, you know, you can't you can't actually uh, do something like this. But the idea that maybe someone could hack in, they're sitting in their, in their grandma's basement, hacking, they're hacking, and they're like, okay, I think I'm just going to poison everybody in Pinellas County. That is not great. So, yeah, I'm a little curious about that. Okay, and we've got another article, same thing, talking about it in Ars Technica. Again, the links are over at uh, danbenjamin.live for those latest ones and soon in the newsletter. Uh, oh, yeah, remember I was telling you that the WHO, the World Health Organization team, went over to China in order to see about this Chinese lab and they met with the, the bat lady and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, so now... They're saying that they think that it actually, they've now dismissed the alternate theory that it leaked from a lab. So they're saying it did not leak from a lab. It came from an animal. It jumped to humans from an animal. So here's, uh, here's some of this report, which is on AP. They said, a closely watched visit by World Health Organization experts to Wuhan, the Chinese city where the first coronavirus cases were discovered, did not dramatically change the current understanding of the early days of the pandemic. This is uh, speaking of Peter name, Ben Ambarek. Sounds like a alien on Star Trek. No offense to Peter Ben Ambarek. Ambassador Ambarek from, you know, he just sound, doesn't it sound like that? Uh, but, quote, it did, quote, add details to the story. That's great. We're never going to get to the answer. We'll never know. This is my prediction. We'll never know. But here's a quote. The findings suggest that the laboratory incidents hypothesis is extremely unlikely to explain the introduction of the virus to the human population. You know, doesn't it seem weird, though? Doesn't this whole thing seem weird? 
first they're saying it came from the lab. Then they're saying it came. Well, first it was from bats. Then it was from bats that are in the lab. Now it's not from the lab. I'm very confused by all of this. I think there is an answer, but I think whatever the real answer is, will will never come out and we will never know. And I am a pessimist. Yes, indeed. Okay. Oh, you know what? I forgot to do the intro. Excuse me. I'm in need of medical attention. I need someone to come in and run this soundboard. Anyone here in Austin who who uh, can run this soundboard will sequester you. You'll sit outside. It'll be safe. You'll just have a wire running through the door. Uh, the latest in the coronavirus pandemic, this stupid way that CNN lists this where you can't link to an individual article. You get a link to their like summary page. It's all right. Whatever. It's fine. Um, but basically, this is really interesting. The Biden administration on, uh, is considering a rule that would require negative COVID-19 test results for domestic air travel. Pretty interesting. This is um, this is a big change and something I actually think would be a really nice idea. Basically saying you can't travel unless you have COVID negative results. There, here's the quote. There's an active conversation with the CDC right now. What I can tell you is it's going to be guided by data, by science, by medicine, and by the input of the people who are actually going to have to carry this out. This is uh, actually a message by Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Am I saying that right? Basically, they went and said, to the extent that we have available tests to be able to do testing, first and foremost, I would really encourage people to not travel. This is a quote from uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who we've That's talked about before. Uh, they are the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention uh, director. Uh, but if we are traveling, this would be yet another mitigation measure to try and decrease the spread. Now, what's confusing to me, and have you, haven't you heard this too, is that every time I read it, they say airplane travel is incredibly safe. They say it might even be safer to be on an airplane than to just walk through the grocery store because of all the filtration that they do in the air on a plane and the way that the air is blowing and circulating and things like that. So I don't know. Is this um I want to get this done right to show me all the blueprint. Is this a thing they're going to do? They're actually going to test everybody? I think they should. I think they should test everybody. I think they should test everybody before they let them get on an airplane or go anywhere. Now interestingly enough, uh, and this is a little bit weird, there's an AI tool that will predict who will die from COVID-19 with 90% accuracy? 90% accuracy. That's kind of interesting to me if it's true. Basically, uh, this is from the University of Copenhagen. They've developed a tool, and what they do is they fed health system data from 4,000 COVID-19 patients in Denmark to train it. And now that it's been trained, they can now tell you all, and it can also predict it, who is admitted to the hospital will need a, a, respir a respirator with 80% accuracy. So they can tell if you're going to die with 90% accuracy, and then they can tell if you're going to wind up needing a respirator with 80% accuracy. Um, Rachel in, uh, in the chat is pointing out that airports are not nearly as safe as the airplanes. That's right. And that's the part that always stuck out to me is that if you're walking through the airport and traveling through the airport and maybe you're breathing and touching and all that other stuff, you've still got to get on the plane, right? So the dangerous part is the airport itself. So the people that I know that have had to travel and are traveling, they have gone through the airport um, double masking or using a face shield and a mask, maybe even having gloves, which uh, people aren't doing as much. But if I was in the airport, I, I might. I don't know. You have um, chosen 
Wise. But you know, I think being careful before you get on the plane is the key. Or just don't travel right now unless you really have to. If you're tra- shame on you if you're traveling for pleasure right now. Come on. In a pandemic? All right. So anyway, this this thing, it the way that it works is it looks at BMI, body mass index, and age. Those are the most decisive indicators. The study also showed that males and people with high blood pressure or a neurological disease had an elevated risk. They said the next most influential health factors were having chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, asthma, diabetes, and heart disease. And here's the quote. For those affected by one or more of these parameters, we have found that it may make sense to move them up in the vaccine queue to avoid any risk of them becoming infected and eventually ending up on a respirator. (sighs) I know this because Tyler knows this. Seems like an incredibly obvious thing to me, doesn't it? If you have underlying health conditions and comorbidities, shouldn't you be in the group that gets the vaccine first? Where's the part of that that's not obvious? Is that not obvious to everybody listening? I'm I'm serious. Come on. Really? That's a surprise. So if you have asthma, if you have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, heart disease, people who will die if they get sick, shouldn't they get the vaccine first? And shouldn't we all just chill at home anyway? Okay. Oh, I've got to tell you about our sponsor today. It's meh. Meh.com. You know meh. Meh.com. Now listen, don't just go to meh.com. Go to meh.com slash Dan. That's right. Because you're going to go there anyway and you're going to buy this stuff anyway. Just tack Dan onto, you know what? I'm going to tell you, tack Dan onto the end of every URL. That's what I think you should do. But in this case, look, they've got a 60 pack, six zero, a 60 pack of Can 95 five layer masks. These sell for $120 or close to it on Amazon, it's $29 on Meh. And this is definitely a thing that I am buying because as we have discussed on this show, the KN95 masks are essentially the same. I'm using the word essentially, and I'm not a, uh, a biologist, but they're essentially the same as the N95 mask. This is what you want to wear, guys. This protects you as well as the other people, whereas a regular mask, a cloth mask, doesn't protect you very much. A little bit, a little bit. It's more for other people. This one, it does both. I'm not saying you should put this on and go and stand in front of a known COVID patient and have them coughing directly into your face. This is probably not what you want to do, but, but these are the good ones, so. Go to matt.com slash Dan and get yourself some of these. I'm going to do it as soon as the show is over. Now, meanwhile, while we're here, look at this. Thanks very much to Matt for making this show possible. Uh, These charts right here show, look at this. We're seeing a continued reduction in cases here. In tests, fewer people are getting sick. Something's happening. Pretty cool, huh? Oh, so what does this say? Rachel Rachel is speaking up in the chat room. Hi, Rachel. What are you saying? You're saying, as a food handler for work, gloves aren't really useful if you're not changing them regularly, washing your hands as well and regularly and not touching your face or food without washing it is your best bet. Now, Rachel, my understanding is you can eat you can eat food with COVID on it. And you're fine. Is that not true? Is that not true? I heard that you could do that. Well, anyway, you know. That's it, man. Game over, right. man. It's game over. 
So here's a very interesting article that I read. You know, a lot of people right now struggling with anxiety and depression and things like that. A lot of people are. And uh, this very timely article, there's a new study that shows what happens in the brain of somebody who is both anxious and depressed. Again, a lot of people experiencing both of these things right now. (laughs) Look at this stupid... <laughs> look at this look at this picture. <laughs> uh it's uh is the most pixelated picture of a red it's a, a red brain with like the part bottom part of it green. Um why would they use this picture? It's so dumb. Neuroscientists have continued delving into the relationship between the brain and mental illness to offer hope to those who suffer. On a global level, depression is the most prevalent and disabling psychiatric disorder, affecting approximately 4.4 million people of the population, with anxiety the second most prevalent psychiatric disorder, according to the World Health Organization. Uh, But this is the study published in the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience. And you know what? I let my subscription lapse. I'm some, I'm embarrassed of that. Uh, um, I'm infected. Help. <laughs> uh, they observed, this is not funny. This is not a joke. Uh, they observed people with depression and anxiety to learn the effects of both disorders on the brain. The researchers examined 10,000 people in 112 studies and found what past research has found, that those with depression alone have lower brain volumes, especially in the hippocampus. Uh, according to the study's authors, this becomes even more relevant later in life because a smaller hippocampus is a risk, fa- a risk factor for Alzheimer's disease and may accelerate the development of dementia. And then they had a second finding. And the second finding reveals that when both anxiety and depression occur together, no shrinkage appeared to the hippocampus and the amygdala, the part of the brain linked to emotions, increased in size. So what does that mean? The research team surmised that the pairing of anxiety and depression indicates that anxiety lowers the effects of depression on the brain volume size by 3%. The overactivity of anxiety causes the brain to make more connections and becomes larger. And this itself is also a problem because the presence of anxiety along with depression in the enlargement can mask the shrinking effects of depression. So the brain gets bigger if the patient is both anxious and depressed there's an actual effect on depression and brain shrinkage. And that's been underestimated because of this masking. So if you're a brain scientist, I guess this leads to you understanding that a patient with both of these conditions has to be treated a little bit differently because one gets hidden by the other. And Mark in the chat says, hell yeah, I want a glowing red brain. And Brian says brain is lava. I need a producer to help me because there's so many great comments in here and good show titles. And I just don't have time to like edit everything and do really good write-ups and stuff. So if you want to help me out with this, mom, uh, you can do that. And uh, I would really appreciate it. So let me know. Okay. I can't show you this article uh, about Dogecoin because Newsweek doesn't want me to. But it is going to be in the show notes at danbenjamin.live. Oh, here's some, where, didn't I used to have, didn't I used to have like a, uh, uh, well, I don't have one. All right. Well, I won't even tell you what it is because I'll get one and then I'll be a surprise next time. I need to sleep. Reddit's valuation has doubled to $6 billion with a B after a funding round that it had. And they're thinking that a lot of this had to do with Wall Street bets community and other things like that. But yeah, they are now, uh, had, they did a new round of funding 
and their valuation comes in at $6 billion. They raised another $250 million in late-stage funding led by venture capital firm Vi Capital. Previously, it was valued at $3 billion in February of 2019. And uh, chief executive of Reddit, Steve Huffman, said, quote, it's a good market to fundraise. Valuations are very high right now. It never hurts to raise money when there's an opportunity to do so. And Reddit has had a strong year. Uh, they said that uh, advertising revenue for the for the company shot up 90% in the December ended quarter for a year from a year earlier. Well, lucky for them. Lucky for them. Uh, here is another article that kind of is really interesting, I think, to to them, to me, to Twitter. Uh, basically, there is a legislative proposal in Washington that will hold social media companies, and technically, like podcast hosting companies like I have aren't social media, I don't think, but they could hold social media companies accountable for harmful content on their platforms. And what's interesting about, so in other words, if you went onto Twitter and posted something that's deemed harmful, that now Twitter could be held responsible for your comment. That's very interesting. This is a bill that was introduced by a trio of Senate Democrats. It was introduced on Friday. It would amend the 1996 law that protects online companies from being sued over content that third parties post to their sites by making exceptions for content that are related to stalking or harassment or even wrongful death. It's known as Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, and it's credited with nurturing uh, the rise of Silicon Valley in the past two decades. Uh, but now you've got Facebook and Google becoming very, very powerful. The law is now under scrutiny. Here's a quote from Senator Mark Warner, uh, who says, when Section 230 was enacted, the Internet looked very different than it does today. He is one of the bill's authors. He says that this is supposed to encourage web. The original law was supposed to encourage websites to develop tools and policies to support effective moderation. But instead, it inoculated companies, even when they do nothing to address foreseeable, obvious and repeated misuse of their products and services to cause harm. So this is pretty interesting to me because what kind of person would want to take advantage of an over this, this situation? They could say something harmful in order to harm the social network without really intending to cause harm to a person. They could make the network get in trouble. And I see that there will be some abuse of this if that happens. Uh, there is also a little bit of news here. I don't usually cover this kind of thing, but I thought this was fairly interesting. AP is reporting uh, that the pilot in the Kobe Bryant crash was disoriented by clouds. And that's why they crashed. It wasn't because Kobe Bryant was pressuring the pilot to do something unsafe. Uh, it was simply that he flew through the clouds. He got disoriented just before the helicopter crashed. And uh, it was because of clouds they couldn't see. Um, he piloted the aircraft to climb sharply and had nearly broken through the clouds uh, when the helicopter banked abruptly and plunged into the Southern California hills below, killing all aboard and wow, my phone's going crazy right now. I don't know why. Uh, Brian's widow had blamed the pilot. She and relatives of the other victims also faulted the companies that owned and operated the helicopter. There's a lot of finger pointing going on. The helicopter didn't have a black box, so they don't exactly know what happened. Um, the brother of the pilot didn't blame Brian, but said he knew about the risks of flying. The helicopter companies have said that foggy weather before the helicopter hit the ground was an act of God and blamed air traffic controllers. He said, she said, lots of finger pointing going on. We still don't really have an answer. Oh, and remember uh, the Super Bowl that no one really cared about or talked about? Well, there was a dude that ran across. And my son and I, while we were watching this, we saw the guy, but they don't show it. They won't show it because they don't want to encourage. Obviously, if the guy 
shows up on uh, on camera and gets a lot of publicity from it, then people will want to do it more. So their policy in the NFL is to not ever show the person running around. Well, here's a photo of the guy, and he was wearing some kind of purple, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know what you call that. <laughs> what do you call that? A leotard? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it says that he was charged, and you know what he was charged with? Trespassing. His name is Yuri Andrade, 31. It says he scampered onto the field Sunday night in the fourth quarter of the game, and he was wearing shorts and a pink leotard or some kind of swimsuit. He was eventually tackled on about the three-yard line by security personnel, escorted out of the Raymond James Stadium, and charged with just trespassing. I hope it was worth it for him. Uh, yeah. Eight-year-old, too. Okay. And uh, my last story for the day, I'm sure you've heard about this. There's this woman that styled her hair with Gorilla Glue. You hear about this? Oh, it looks good on you, though. It's true. Uh, here is the video. I'm going to show it for you. I hope this is okay to show it. Hey, y'all. Okay. For those of y'all that know. As usual, it's very loud, and there's no volume adjustment on this. But you can see her hair here looks fairly slicked down. Yeah, very good, Brian. An attempted Super Bowl insurrection. I like that. So anyway, this woman, she says accidentally, and I, I believe it, uh, used, <laughs> she's showing, uh, she's showing uh, Gorilla Glue. Apparently there's a Gorilla Glue spray and maybe she confused it with something. I think there's a hair product called Gorilla Snot, but look at this hair. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Uh, but her... Um, Sorry, I'm not laughing. It sucks. Uh, it it formed like a helmet, like a shell. And she's been unable to remove the shell and unable to do anything about it. And it went viral on TikTok, this video. for It got like 21 million views. So she's hired a lawyer and they're trying to sue Gorilla Glue and because apparently it only warns against use on skin and eyes, but not hair. Really? If this case makes it to court, I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, really? You're going to sue Gorilla Glue because it says don't put it on your hair? Come on. But anyway, she found a doctor. She went to the emergency room. They couldn't help her. She tried using sterilized water and nail polish remover pads. It didn't work. But then some doctor has stepped up and said that he's going to use some kind of like special medical grade glue remover on her. And the procedure would cost $12,500, but he's going to do it for free. And so she's traveling now to wherever he is to, to try and get it out of her hair. Gorilla Glue did have a tweet though. And um, here, here's the tweet. They say, we're very sorry to hear about the unfortunate incident that Miss Brown experienced using our spray adhesive on her hair. We're glad to see in a recent video that Ms. Brown has received medical treatment from her local medical facility and wish her the best. And they have a, an image here that they posted that says, we're aware of the situation and we are very sorry to hear about the unfortunate incident, incident that Ms. Brown experienced. This is a unique situation because this product is not indicated for use in or on hair as it is considered permanent. Our spray adhesive states in the warning label, do not swallow, do not get in eyes on skin or on clothing. It is used for craft home and auto or office projects to mount things to surfaces such as paper, cardboard, wood, laminate, and fabric. Um, really? She's really going to try and sue over this? 
I, <laughs> Brian says some hot McDonald's coffee will take care of that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's all I've got for y'all today. Uh, you know, you can follow me anywhere you want at Dan Benjamin. Uh, that's where I live on Twitter and Instagram and here on YouTube. And of course, Periscope, it hasn't gone away yet. So whatever. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe. Subscribe if you haven't already. I don't just do the news here. I do other fun videos and stuff like that. Uh, and pretty soon there will be some really cool behind the scenes stuff and insider stuff and secret stuff for those of you who support me on Patreon. Look at this soda right here. This soda, this is costs about a dollar. You're telling me five days a week, the 30 plus minutes every day that I give you isn't worth the cost of this soda. Shame on you. Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Please give me a dollar or five or more. What if I start? Maybe I should ask for $25 and then maybe you'll give me a dollar. So give me 25 bucks over there on patreon.com. Come on, show the stupid image. There it is. Uh, patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. Go there, help me out. Literally, if you do, you will take me out of an incredibly stressful, nervous, nerve wracking situation into a good situation where I feel like I'm not stressed out all the time. You can do that. By giving me, remember I said 25 bucks and you'll give me a buck. So give me 25 bucks over at patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. And that is all I've got for you today. I hope you have a good one. I'll be back here tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good one.